when we experience those moments of very high stress, those moments of trauma, the cognitive shutdown, it's normal. But the subconscious mind keeps on running. It's like the black box of a plane. It never stops recording. And during those moments of very high stress, the subconscious mind is going to record all the elements that can be gathered by the five senses. Power to Live More with Joe Dodds. Welcome to the Power to Live More podcast, all about productivity, organization, well being, energy, and resilience. I'm Jo Dodds and I started this show to enable interesting people to share their stories about how they use their power to live more and by that I mean to do the stuff that they want to do more than the stuff that they need to or should do. It's about creating a life for yourself where you have the energy, health and space to be happy and fulfilled, spending your time as you'd like, whether that be at work, home or somewhere else entirely. That's your choice. Hello, my name is Ellie Dodds and I'm co-presenter. And today, Joe's interviewing Cedric Batelli. Cedric is the founder and director of the Emotional Health Institute, EHI, an organisation that provides information and education about emotional resolution, or MRES. EHI gives people struggling with stress, depression, anxiety, and many other negative emotions access to the best trained professionals who can guide them to resolve disruptive emotional patterns. EHI has taught thousands of adults how to resolve their emotional difficulties. In the San Francisco Bay Area alone, over 200 teachers were trained to use emotional resolution with children. Cedric began to study and research the emotional resolution process in 2009 in his home country of France, and has developed his understanding of emotional functioning and his craftsmanship of MRS throughout the years. In addition to training mental health professionals, coaches and educators on emotional resolution, Cedric also works with clients individually. Back to the studio. Today I'm interviewing Cedric Bertelli of Emotional Health Institute. Welcome Cedric, lovely to have you with me. Hello Joe. lovely to be here. Lovely, so start by telling us who you are, what you do and crucially where you do it. Sure. So uh, but my name is Cédric Bertelli, as you said. I am originally from France. I was born in a tiny village in the south of France, about three hours north of uh, Barcelona. And uh, what, I, what do I do? I, uh, I work with uh, emotion and specifically uh, how to resolve disruptive emotional pattern, uh, emotional difficulties. Uh, why do I do it? Uh, I did it. I mean, I'm doing it because I think uh, up until my uh, uh, late 20s, early 30s, I was facing a lot of this, you know, emotional difficulties, such as a lot of anxiety, uh, anger, mostly toward myself, um, but toward others as well, you know, you got to share. And, uh, and I guess um, I was um, working in the in hospitality business, and I was leading a, a large team of about uh, 250 people. And I could see that not only I was dealing with emotional difficulties, but pretty much everybody uh, mm-hmm. Everybody was, and uh, it was obvious our emotions were actually running the place more than me or anybody else. So um, all along my career working in uh, in hospitality business, I was fascinated by emotions and how to create balance in teams so the teams become as efficient as possible. And um, as I was doing that, I was also looking for help for myself in order to become a, 
you know, more at peace and, uh, and a better leader. And all that led to me changing career in 2009 uh, and fully study uh, emotional functioning. Uh -huh. uh, in 2019, I founded the Emotional Health Institute uh, in collaboration with two doctors from France, an ecologist from Germany, a veterinarian from France as well, and two therapists. And our, um, our passion, our, uh, what, what drives us is to understand how the brain, how the body construct emotion so we can find ways, simple ways, natural ways, to have the body deconstruct emotion. I say the body and not the brain because emotions are, are created in the whole body, not only in the brain, of course. Mm -hmm. So that's what I do. Now we, uh, we, um, we created uh, some protocols that we call MRES for emotional resolution that are extremely, extremely efficient, fast, natural, gentle, that allow people to resolve. And when I say resolve, I mean resolve disruptive emotional patterns such as uh, anxiety, anger, depression. And uh, MRES is not a technique per se, it's really coming from an understanding. Understanding again how the brain constructs emotion and how it can be deconstructed. We are not meant as human beings to carry anxiety, depression, anger, all these things. Yes, they're natural, of course, but we are not meant to carry them. They're actually making us sick. Yeah. Uh, and um, here we go. That's what I do. And did you tell us where you're based now? I can't remember. Did you? Uh, I don't think so. No. Yeah, I'm. I'm based in. <laughs> thank you. I'm based in San Francisco, California. Lovely. I live in Oakland with my family and and work out of San Francisco. Brilliant. Excellent. So, not everyone who sort of has issues with emotion or, or feels that uh, working with a large team and that, that there's a lot of emotion there that's causing issues goes away studies it and then turns it into their future career <laughs> tell us a bit more about how that happened because again you know everyone as you say has sort of emotions and and can suffer with issues around that but again people don't always find the root cause of it or don't see that as being the problem, if you like. Tell us a bit more about that, that journey to, to, to that enlightenment, if you like. <laughs> I don't think I'm enlightened at all. And my <laughs> wife uh, will completely agree with me if I tell you that I'm not. Um, well, I think it's, um, it's a combination of, of a few things. Um, first, my grandfather was a big influence. My grandfather fought uh, World War II uh, in the resistance in Italy, he's still alive, he's 98 years old. And um, the man, um, you know, went through a lot of trauma and still is uh, uh, like a Buddhist monk, gentle, kind, uh, smart. And as I, as I went on in life and I see how people, you know, deal with their own trauma, I, I very early um, started to ask myself how somebody went through so much trauma can be can be the way it is. That, that's that's yeah. the first influence in my life. Yeah. And then when I dealt with uh, anxiety and depression and anger, I mean, I don't have a good, a good reason, so to speak, right? Usually people uh, think, oh, you know, you need to go through trauma or difficult childhood. No, I had a very happy childhood in the French country, you know, in, uh, in the countryside of France. Uh, where my anxiety come from, I don't know. But all I could tell you is, as I, as I said earlier, up until 
my 30s, I mean, I, I, I tried a lot of things, therapy, uh, some kind of workshops, uh, uh, a lot, a lot of things. And some things were making me feel better for a little bit, but it was taking a lot of control and my, my, my demons, so to speak, my stuff, but kept on coming back. And, and I knew in my bone, I cannot explain you why, but I knew in my bone that it was, it was something out there, there is something that must allow us to completely go through this stuff, to resolve those emotions. I mean, you can see it in animals. Why are we human beings the only one holding on to trauma, to emotions, to, to things like that? Yeah. So I don't know. I cannot. I cannot tell you. I cannot tell you why. But it was an accumulation of things, and 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 just and just see really how emotions are at the core of our life, and how when we look at people relationship from outside, what they're going through, the rage, the hatred, the anxiety they're going through toward a situation or other people from outside don't make any sense very often. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like we don't see life for what it is when we are. F- like in our body. Um, so anyway, that's, that's, uh, that became a, a passion of mine, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, I'm, I'm intrigued as to, you know, how you then moved into what you do now. Uh, because again, many people uh, learn things and, and, and change what they do and carry on with their life as it was sort of thing. You've, you've changed your, your career quite considerably as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, to tell you uh, the whole background, in 2009, uh, the economy went down. Yeah. And um, because of my Polish position, I was asked to uh, take decisions that were out of integrity for me. Cutting hours that was, uh, for example, um, bringing down uh, health benefits for my employees and mm-hmm. such things. So I was I became in complete disagreement with things that I had to do. And I was faced with a dilemma. Either way, I do what, they, uh, I do what the company was asking me to do and, I, uh, you know, and I'm out of integrity. Yeah. Or um, it's time for me to, 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 for, for a change. It's time for me to be congruent with, uh, with, with my own thought and desire. And I find something that really excites me at, as much as working uh, in restaurant and hospitality business used to excite me. Uh-huh. I think I fell, in, I, I, I fell in love with hospitality business and taking care of people and, and doing the show, you know, in the, uh, at the Ritz. And, and, and I fall out of love when I saw uh, what the economy could do to, you know, to my teams, to, to, to the business. Yeah. So, you know, it's like everything. When you fall out of love, uh, sometimes you take drastic decisions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, I went for my other love, so to speak, which was, which developed through the years and was emotional life. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us more about the, the sort of process. So we're saying that, that people have um, difficulties and it relates to, to emotion. I, I suppose the first question is, is where does that come from? Um, I mean, we all know that we have it, <laughs> but some people have it more than others. And as you said, when you had it to begin with issues, you they didn't really come from anywhere tangible that you could sort of put your finger on. You didn't have a terrible childhood and all that sort of stuff, but they were still there. Where are they coming from? 
um, they they all come from the from the same uh, the same place, so to speak. They all come from uh, a, a moment of very high stress. So first of all, I, I like to say it's normal for us to have emotions. Absolutely, you know, we are emotional beings as human beings, but um, we can notice that uh, what we call emotional difficulties, anxiety, depression, all that, are emotions that are not congruent with our current reality. And, and these are for me the emotional difficulties, emotional difficulties that are not congruent with what we are actually experiencing in our life. Mm -hmm. So where they are coming from, we know today that in order for us to um, have an emotional difficulty, a recurrent emotional difficulty, at the base of it is a moment of what we can call trauma. Uh -huh. now, what you and I call trauma as adults is very different from what a newborn, for example, experience uh, as a trauma. So a definition for me of a trauma is an instant that hold too much stress for us to take on at that moment of our life. So it depends, of course, of our age, of our environment, of our personality. But when we are experiencing a moment of stress that is too much for us to take on, there is a phenomenon of what we can call dissociation in us. Basically, our cognitive shutdown, so we do not suffer too much during this moment of high stress. And again, if I'm one year old, I will not be able to uh, hold very much stress. If I'm one week old, even less. Yeah. So just to give you a couple, a couple numbers, what we are aware of, you and I right now, is about 2,000 bits of information per second. Mm -hmm. That's what we're cognitively aware of. Our subconscious mind gather about 400 billion bits of information per second. So your body, my body, is constantly uh, gathering 400 billion bits of information per second. But we're only aware of 2,000. Because if we were aware of 400 billion, we will not be able to hold a conversation, hold a job, <laughs> none of that. So the prefrontal cortex um, serves us for many things, but also as a filter from all the information we gather. Now, when we live those moments of very high stress, and I, from working now for over 12 years with people, I think that we, we experience 10th and 10th of those moments of very high stress from the moment we were born and then maybe for um, sometimes. When we experience those moments of very high stress, those moments of trauma, the cognitive shutdown, it's normal, but the subconscious mind keeps on running. It's like the black box of a plane. It never stops recording. And during those moments of very high stress, the subconscious mind is gonna record all the elements that can be gathered by the five senses, but not in a way that we perceive five, five senses, you and I, in a much more accurate, and high, um, high definition way, so to speak. Yeah. So the subconscious mind is gonna gather during this moment of, of, of uh, trauma, the, the subconscious mind is gonna gather what we see, what we smell, uh, the shapes around us, the temperature, etc., etc. And the subconscious mind is also going to record what physical sensations we are experiencing in our body at that very moment. Now, we know as well that one of the main jobs of our brain is to predict. Our brain constantly predicts. That's what keeps us alive so well. We can see that uh, with food, for example. If we, uh, 
if we bite an apple, a Granny Smith apple, let's say, for the first time, we have a sensorial experience for the first time. We discover a Granny Smith apple. We discover the crunch, we discover the, the acidity, the juiciness, the tart. If two weeks after, two months after, six months after, a year after, we grab the same apple, right before we're about to buy this apple, the body is already predicting the experience we're about to have. Mm -hmm. Before we bite it, the body is anticipating the crunch, the taste, the acidity. Everything is happening in the body before we bite the apple. We don't even have to eat the apple, really. We know exactly what's going to happen. The brain is predicting right before we're doing it. It is the exact same principle with emotion. We lived those trauma and we're living some of them for our entire life. When the body finds itself in a situation when it recognizes one or several elements that was present during one specific trauma, the body is going to instantly generate the physical sensations that we are about to feel based on what was felt during the specific trauma linked to today event. Mm -hmm. And how do we know that we feel an emotion? How do we know that we're stressed or depressed or angry? We know that because we feel it in our body. Mm -hmm. An emotion starts with a physiological response, a physiological reaction. Those physical sensations that we call interoception are the base of our emotion. Those physical sensations that comes in our body and let us know that we are about to face a danger based on a very old past event, those physical sensations are the DNA of our emotion. They are a prediction that we are about to face a danger. However, this prediction is obsolete. Very, very often, this prediction is obsolete. Mm. A smell that used to be present during one of my trauma might not be a danger at all. A specific shape, a specific light, a specific situation used to be present during a moment of danger, but nowadays, in my current life, there are no danger related to this stimulus. Mm. So we can say that most of our disruptive emotional pattern are obsolete prediction from the brain. What I do, what we do at the Emotional Health Institute is updating the prediction, getting the brain and the body to realize that some of those dangers nowadays are, are basically completely harmless. By showing the brain that the prediction is obsolete, the prediction stops automatically. Because you see, we are um, changing our prediction during all our, our life. That's how we learn. Predictions are being updated in our brain, our body constantly. A prediction is updated when we are experiencing something, experiencing a life event, and our cognitive and body are in synchronicity, in sync. When the cognitive and the body are in sync, we learn from experiences. Now, when the cognitive shut down, such as during a trauma, we don't learn, a prediction stay stuck. Yeah. And, uh, and then I will stop because I know I speak a lot, I apologize, but 
No, it's really interesting, really interesting. So how do you work with people? So what, what does that look like in terms of your, your working day and, and the way that um, you're working with your, your clients? Mm -hmm. All day long, I, I help people to, to update prediction. Um, and that's actually, uh, it's not easy to do because we're dealing with, with, uh, with human beings and, and, uh, and uh, we're complex beings. But the process is quite simple. The process goes like this. It, if, we can, if we can go through a sensorial prediction without impacting it or without trying to fix what we see create the prediction, if we can let the body go through the whole prediction without doing anything, the body update the prediction and the emotional difficulty will never come back. Now, what, what is happening with our emotional difficulty is when we feel anxious or stressed or angry, we never let the prediction plays out. We either way act out of our emotion. For example, if I'm angry, I can uh, scream or uh, uh, punch my desk or I can bottle it down. Or we can try to, we try to fix what creates the anger or what creates the anxiety. We never let the prediction play out all the way. So what is happening when I work with client is I, we trick, so to speak, the brain to think that it is exposed again to a stimulus. The body is generating physical sensation. The body is generating an emotion, interoception. And at this point, my job is to help the client to let the sensorial prediction go on in the body. So let the prediction, let the sensations change without trying to control it with breath, with explanation, with uh, anything like that, or without trying to do anything at all until the body is done playing its prediction, which generally never take longer than three minutes. At the end of the prediction being expressed, and by the prediction, what do I mean? I mean, literally, physical sensations changing and moving in the body. That's what an emotion is, really. What we call uh, emotion, you and I, uh, it's, it's already a reaction. But an emotion purely is only made out of physical sensations. Okay, so that sounds re really quick. <laughs> you said three minutes. Yeah, it is very quick. It is very quick. It is extremely quick. As long as we don't do anything to stop the natural physical process. Uh -huh. Now, uh, as uh, adults, teenagers a bit less, kids even less. But as adults, we developed a huge battery of coping mechanism when it comes down to emotion. So it is um, the most challenging for um, myself and people that I train is to get a human being to do nothing. Yeah. Not taking some deep breath, not trying to find uh, excuses, not trying to blame somebody else or something for what we feel. Yeah? We are constantly living out of our body. And when you ask someone to stay with uh, what's happening inside, it is not as... Uh, it is not as simple as it sounds. <laughs> no. uh, and, and also, you know, um, a session lasts about an hour, 
And the, th the reason is we, we often do more than one resolution. Mm -hmm. uh, as human beings, we have this wonderful tendency to create emotion out of emotion. You know, we feel something, we feel anger, let's say, and then we feel shame for feeling anger. Then we can build up resentment um, uh, towards somebody because we feel angry. So uh, very often, someone comes to see us to resolve an emotion, but around this emotion, there are a lot of other emotions. You know, it's, uh, it's almost like... Uh, Somebody come to see us for uh, uh, one emotion and that's like a stone that you throw in a lake. But then out of this stone that you throw in the lake, there are many ripples that yeah. are also emotions and that are also polluting the person, so to speak, um, polluting the person's life and relationships. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to address all those emotions around uh, the main one for which they came to see us so the person literally feel changed around the 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 area around the the topic they came to see us for yeah so how does that play out in terms of what your your days look like and i guess things will have been different during the the pandemic with lockdown and so on and i think you work with medical professionals as well as with individuals Hello. Yes, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, for for us, um, you know, the lockdown didn't uh, didn't didn't change much because we can do our work um, via Zoom yeah. or via uh, Skype or or some other media like this. So uh, for for us, for as a practitioner, the the lockdown, if anything, um, I don't want to say it was helpful, but a little bit as people they get used to work on uh, on camera, uh -huh. you know. It was, it's a bit limiting when you're looking for a practitioner in your area uh, and then have to drive and it's, it can be stressful as well. Well, now people are used to work on Zoom like we are doing now and, yeah. and uh, they stay in the safety of their home. They don't have to take their car to, to meet a stranger. It's actually, um, it actually was um, useful to open yeah. up people to this work. Yes. They, they, we came to their to their home actually, and that that was very useful. So, so my day basically, I, I see between um, five and eight clients a day, five and yeah, depending on the day, oh, and nice. and um, I work on the emotion. We work together on the emotion, and we resolve the emotional difficulties. Mm -hmm. At the end of a session, we take another appointment to to make sure to check in that what we worked on uh, was resolved, or to see if there's much more, more work to do around it. Yeah. And that's, that's what my days um, is made of. And I teach, um, as you say, medical professionals, therapists, coaches, um, healthcare providers um, to do this work with their clients, their patients, um, with kids as well, with teaching educators to do this work. So my work is in between teaching and working with clients. And does, does it impact your own sort of emotional health, working with people on such, um, I don't know what the word would be, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's really um, challenging stuff for a lot of people. Does that impact you or, or is it sort of external to you because you know what you're doing sort of thing? Uh, it's, uh, it, it, um, it pushes me to keep myself emotionally clean i would say right right um yeah. so basically i need to practice what i preach yeah uh, when i hear something that is when i hear something that is uh, 
um, how can I say, it? triggering, uh, hurtful. I mean, you hear, you hear, you know, you hear tough things sometimes. Yes. Yes. Well, um, what I do is I take a minute and I tell my client that I take a minute. I need to take a minute and and I resolve whatever I feel right there. Um, I know that there is something in me activated, and then I need to resolve it. When people tell me something, I feel an emotion, but the emotion remain in me so for several minutes. Mm -hmm. So uh, when somebody tells me something and I feel an emotion, let's say sadness or even disgust sometimes, and it goes through me very quickly, I have the experience and then I can come back to presence and work, I know then, okay, I felt what has to be felt and, and that's fine. But sometimes a client would tell me something and I'm impacted by the emotion, but then it's, it keeps on vibrating, so to speak, in me. Yeah, you know, and I'm not present anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm 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 taken by my emotion. At this point, I take a break, one two minutes, and I resolve what I feel in myself, so I can be present for the client. So usually, and that's the beauty of my work, right? I'm not a, a psychotherapist. I don't have to uh, show up in a certain way. When I'm impacted, out of respect for my client and myself, we stop for a couple of minutes. I clear up what I feel, and then I come back present, and I can actually be. Uh, of service yeah so um, it's comfortable that way uh, in order that's it's basically i'm uh, um yeah i'm keeping the system clean as much as i can yes yes yeah yeah and tell me about how you organize yourself how you make sure you get done what you need to get done um i had to learn to do that um because i mean all my life i work in cooperation and working in cooperation offers your structure yeah. Uh, now, uh, when I when I came up to to be uh, self-employed, and now I'm 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 I'm, uh, I'm in charge of this organization, the Emotional Health Institute. How do I do that? So, uh, first of all, I uh, I start my day with uh, uh, a routine that make me in the in a mindset, which is uh, uh, doing exercise, drinking lemon water, and taking a cold shower. And when I've done that, I'm ready to go. Uh huh. And, uh, and then, um, so first at night, I always look at my calendar for the next day. I know exactly what's happening the next day. Mm -hmm. when, I, when, I, when I start my day, when I start my day, I um, usually start with clients right away. And I, in between clients, I chart um, whatever, whatever is happening. And every week I keep um, one day to do only administrative stuff so I can catch up every week. So nothing fall behind yeah um, so basically i created myself a structure that that allow me to relax within uh -huh. so i don't have to think too much um, that's i guess what, what i do i organize myself in order to have to um to deal with as little surprise as i can yeah yeah i like that I mm -hmm. and what about that that thing between um, work and, and personal life, uh, as you say, you're, you're running the Institute, you've, you've got a, a role that involves other people as well as clients and so on. Um, when we work for ourselves, we can often sort of feel like we spend all our time working, which yes. when that never was the point of starting yes. a business, was it? How do you manage that? Well, it's, uh, it's not easy, uh, as you said, because it's, um, it feels like it's, it's never ending. There's always something, someone, uh, it feels like it never ending. So yeah. uh, and again, I had, I had to learn. My wife was uh, very helpful. 
um, in the sense that she told me you gotta <laughs> you, you got to figure out something because uh, that's that's not uh, that's not sustainable yeah so um, every day at 6 p.m i shut down everything uh-huh. and i'm not taking anything back until the next morning yeah. and same thing for weekends when i don't teach i teach on weekends so when i teach on weekends well then be it um, but when i don't teach on weekend i shut down everything until the next monday uh, if not if not my mind is I, I if i have the opportunity to work i will so i i try to be drastic with that i shut down my uh, my work and my uh, devices at 6 p.m and then on weekends i know it's not probably the best things to do uh it's, it's simplistic but it works for me yes yeah and as you say that's that's the point it's the the finding what works for you and then and then doing that and and as you said making it as easy as possible yes 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 and as uh, um and not not feeling guilty about not working that was something uh, uh, at the beginning for me i felt very guilty when working that no more i don't yeah. feel guilty when i'm not working i i know that i do my best during the week and i give my 100 percent and yeah. then uh, i need to be i want to be it's not that i mean i want to be with my family mm-hmm. and technology what sort of things are you using tools and apps and that sort of thing um, technology i use um, zoom a lot so i'm uh, i'm uh, constantly on my computer during the week yeah um, for for structure um for structure i use um, not as much as, as i should but i'm getting better at it and uh, trello yeah. you know and uh, and structuring my day with that uh, other than that very simple you know google calendar uh, alarms um and 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 that's it yes yeah yeah and you talked a little bit about um your cold showers and your um what else <laughs> yeah. you do in the morning um, <laughs> three things <laughs> yes cold shower lemon water yeah, and lemon water. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So what else do you do to make sure that you've got your energy to run your business and to, to keep healthy? Uh, we try to spend time outside a lot. Yeah. Uh, we try to spend time outside a lot. Um, um, now, with the, the, the lockdown being over, finally, you know, we can go back to something uh, more natural, but we go walk outside a lot. We look, we're lucky enough to live by the ocean and, uh, and close to redwood trees, forest. So we spend okay. a lot of time outside. Yeah. Uh, also, we tried to to take, uh, we didn't for the last, you know, year and a half or so, but regular vacation, yeah. like uh, a week here and there, whenever mm-hmm. we can, um, to get out of um, the routine mm-hmm. and have a, and have a breather uh, as a family. So, yeah. morning morning routine, uh, not drinking too much alcohol or coffee, uh, still a little bit, and uh, and spending, French after all. <laughs> You're French when you live in America, you've got to drink alcohol and coffee, haven't you? <laughs> a little, little bit, you know, at least, you know, it's a, it's, it's a pleasure. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's, you know, at the end of the day, having a glass of wine with dinner, I mean, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's just good, mm. you know, why not? Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, what about learning and improving yourself? So um, how do you keep sort of on top of the latest thinking and what you do and, you know, keep moving forwards? Yeah, absolutely. Um, reading, reading a lot, reading things. And I'm lucky that uh, a lot of my students and colleagues, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's like having a radar everywhere. Every time they find something, uh, a new uh, a new study, etc. So I'm, 
I'm feeding myself constantly with um, with uh, with this kind of information, specifically on neuroscience yeah. uh, and the neuroscience of emotion in my in my field. And and again, one of the because you got to, you got to look at the benefits of the lockdown. Uh, one of the benefits of the lockdown were all those classes that yeah. happened online uh, by major teachers and uh, and scientists. Where before you had to you know travel and pay for hotels and plane. Well all this shifted a bit yes. and you're able to take those classes online now. Yes. Um, and so I was able to, you know, sit in very interesting uh, seminars and classes. And um, of course, I'm looking forward to things to come back into, into in person, but I hope this will be uh, still available at some, you know, uh, yes. at some level because it, it, it is helping improvement and self-education and, and, yeah. and growth. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I agree. I am. Um... I'm not. I'm not known for my love of conferences and such like, but uh, it's so much easier to uh, follow along and, and attend some of those things when you don't actually have to <laughs> attend them. <laughs> Absolutely, when you don't have to, you can stay in your PJ and uh, and everything is fine. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, I, I hope we don't lose some of those opportunities. I mean, even things outside of working. You know, we watched quite a lot of um, things like the National Theatre live productions that they they um streamed um which again you know we do see some of those things in real life but we wouldn't see that many of them and having them available in your in our you know sitting room uh yeah. on our telly was was much easier so we saw a lot more than we would have done ordinarily uh, yes. so you know i hope we don't lose some of those opportunities i think i think it'd be interesting to see uh what's going to be um an homeostasis, you know, what's going to be the new homeostasis, the, yeah. the balance between uh, work and uh, work at home and seeing things at home and going out. Um, yeah. Let's see, it's going to be interesting. Mm -hmm, absolutely. So last couple of questions. Firstly, what about those days where it all goes horribly wrong? How do you deal with those days? <laughs> um, usually I go on my knees and pray. Uh, no, that's not true. No, no, that's not true. Um, you know, I when when things go wrong, I it's one step at a time. It's just yeah. one step at a time. I mean, when things go wrong, I mean, it's always better to take care of it right away, and see how we can take care of it right away. Just do some damage control, mm -hmm. and and keep on moving on. I mean, it's it's just it's just a bad day, and you go through it, and you just have to stay conscious as it's happening, not going into a spiral of you know, poor me, or I hate that. No, that's that's just irrelevant. Yeah. Um, just just stay with it and be conscious. It might ask you more. It might ask me more effort, more awareness. But be with it step by step. And at the end of the day, it will be resolved, and it is resolved, even when it's a bad day. Yes. Yeah. Lovely. And those days where you get to live more, and that's where we talk about getting to do more of the things that you want to do and less of the stuff that you don't want to do. What do those days look like for you? Uh, it's uh, so meaning within the work day or outside of work? Either, whichever. <laughs> well, in, in my, during my work day, it will be a day when I can actually uh, work in the morning, have lunch with my daughters and, uh, and my wife if they're at home, and then again, go back to work and have, you know, go back together at like 5 p.m. or 6 p.m. to be, um to be together and share some good moment and go out that would that's my my perfect work day uh, yeah. to have uh, and again i'm lucky enough i haven't been in my office except when i 
when I teach uh, on weekends, I basically took a room in the house and I'm working from the house. That means the kids, uh, the kid didn't go to school all year long um, because of the lockdown. And so, uh, you know, it was lovely um, also to walk out and, and to see her and, mm-hmm. and same thing, my wife had to, to work from home now, yeah. way less now, but it's, you know, this, this, this nice flow between family and work that for me is um, priceless. Yeah. And, uh, and outside of work is when we're outside. Yes. You know, just yeah. being outside, kayaking, walking. Um, that's, that's, that's keep me uh, healthy yeah. and happy. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you so much, Cedric. It's been really interesting talking to you. Tell people how they can find out more about you and get in touch. Thank you, Joe. Uh, it was a pleasure, really, this conversation. Um, the best is to go to emotionalhealthinstitute.org or they can also go to emotionalresolution.org. It goes to the same place. And there they can learn about our work, that can meet our practitioners, see about the trainings, um, et cetera, et cetera. Lovely. Thanks, Cedric. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very, very much. Attention, home-based coaches and consultants. Are you tired of feeling alone, isolated and frustrated with running your home-based coaching or consulting business? Are you sick of feeling like your life would be better and you'd be happier if you felt more organised and productive? Do you feel like there's simply not enough time in a day to get all the things done that you need to do to build a successful business while making time to live more? It's time to stop the isolation and start getting more organised, productive and focused on the skills that will move the needle forward. It's time to join the Power to Live More Calm membership. If you're ready to, stop creating the wheel and focus on the things that truly matter in your life and business. Learn what you need to know to be successful and live more. Get accountability help from a group of like-minded home-based business owners. To learn more about the Power to Live More Calm membership program and apply, visit powertolivemore.com slash getcalm. All this information is available in the show notes if you go to the app that you're listening to this podcast on, or you can go to the website at powertolivemore.com forward slash, in this case, 228. This week on the Power to Live More Calm Members Gold Call, we talked about PR and shared some ideas around how you can get PR for your business. So I just thought I'd share some of those with you here. We talked about running events, sponsoring events, exhibiting events, Uh, entering awards, guesting on podcasts, guest blogging on other people's blogs, speaking, looking at publication requests, so finding reporters and journalists perhaps using Twitter. Also, Harrow, the Helper Reporter Out website, which is quite sort of American-focused, and there's one in the UK called pressplugs.co.uk. So basically finding a way to easily connect with journalists and reporters looking for information where you might be able to help them. Writing content for publications, articles and that sort of thing. Uh, Volunteering and charity involvement where you get some uh, sort of potential kudos and mention or just some publicity for getting involved in those situations. Clearly you could and should be doing that without (laughs) looking for the sort of extra stuff in there, but uh, that often can give you some public relations sort of uh, boost if you get involved in things in your company name. And then also just the concept of networking and getting in front of people and uh, talking about what you do in front of other business people and other people who might be customers for your business. So those are some ideas. Thought I'd share them with you. Hope that's of interest. 
Can I just ask if you enjoy the podcast, that you share it with somebody? Uh, If you're listening to it in an app like Overcast, then you can easily hit the share button on there and send it off to them or put it onto your social media or just simply send people to my website, powertolivemore.com, and there's a podcast button on the menu. And if you enjoy the podcast and uh, would like to put a review on Apple Podcasts for us, then that would be great too. And again, the show notes for this week's show are at powertolivemore.com forward slash 228. And we look forward to speaking to you next week. Use your power to live more.